Hello, everyone, and welcome to the AWS Podcast. Great to have you back. Simon Alicia here in beautiful Melbourne, Australia, being joined today by John Handler. Welcome, John. Hi, everybody. Great. Now, to John you. is a uh, principal solution architect, and he has a very, I guess I'd call it, John, a deep specialty in the area of search. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. I've been working with our search services, uh, both Cloud Search and Elasticsearch, for about six years now. So you're good at finding stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I am. And John, where are you? Where are you speaking to us from today? Uh, I am based in Palo Alto, California. Uh, beautiful part of the world. Beautiful part of the world. So um, we wanted to talk today a bit about um, Amazon Elasticsearch. And it's a service that I know many of our listeners use quite a lot of because uh, it fits into many, many architectures, whereas others have kind of maybe noticed that it exists um, but haven't paid much attention. So what I'm going to do is start by just at a very high level say that this is a, a service that's available in all commercial regions except for China. So it's something that's broadly available and you can use. So that's always good to know when you're listening to these kinds of things. And what we'll kind of do, actually what I'm going to get John to do, is we're going to go through bit of a high-level view of the service, um, what it does, how it works, and then also some really interesting tips and tricks for those of you who have been using it for a while. Um, there'll definitely be some, I think, I think we'll call it some Easter eggs, John. What do you reckon? Uh, some Easter uh, eggs sure. am- amongst them. We'll, we'll, we'll come out with some good past practices, Easter eggs, great way to say it. Love it. Awesome. So, John, over to you. What's, tell us about what Amazon Elasticsearch does and is for. Sure. Um, So let's start with the technology of Elasticsearch. Um, Elasticsearch is a technology that's been around for uh, getting on six, seven years now. Um, It is an open source technology that provides search capabilities. It's a search engine. Um, And, you know, the workloads that it supports uh, primarily are, well, fundamentally are text-based search workloads. Uh, So this is a traditional search use case, like for website search or for application, like an e-commerce site search. Uh, Elasticsearch uh, can support that with um, key features like highlighting, text matching, uh, faceting, filtering, fuzzy search, autocomplete, highlighting, geo search. All of the kind of standard search features are available within Elasticsearch itself. In addition, uh, Elasticsearch and Elastic, the company, have really specialized the technology a little bit uh, to handle streaming time series data. And we see a a large proportion of our uh, customers are doing streaming data processing primarily for logs. And it's a little bit of a a kind of a head-scratcher. Why is a search engine useful for logs? Well, Elasticsearch, number one, is uh, elastic and built to handle very high write volumes. And then within the content, the log lines themselves, as you send them in, there's data in there that you can pull out with search queries and then visualize with uh, another open source technology, also from Elastic, called Kibana. Kibana allows you to, uh, in just a few clicks and you know, just a few minutes, You can create cool graphs and pie charts and histograms, tables, all sorts of different ways of visualizing data that's flowing through your logs. A good example would be, uh, for instance, if you're sending Apache web logs, you might actually have a visualization which is a, a line graph of the number of, say, 400 errors that are occurring um, in your application servers. Be, you, you can see that and then you can also react 
Uh, if you see a big spike in, say, 400 errors, because it's a search engine, you can then dig into the data underlying to pull out uh, some of the details around the individual log lines where those 400 errors are occurring. So, so this is a really interesting evolution of, of search because I guess you know, most of the population is familiar with search from its origins, which is, hey, just, just find me some stuff, as you said, you know, on a website, et cetera, et cetera. Non-trivial problem exactly. <laughs> for a start. But, but, but what we're saying here is that really it's taking this next leap into the analytics domain um, where some of the power that's been developed for one use case can be applied very effectively to another use case. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, Elasticsearch is, is uh, expanding into that analytics. Um, and in my, in my thinking, I do like to think of it more as a tactical and a, a really real-time, kind of almost an ad hoc analytics where uh, you're monitoring something in real time and the, the data that you're looking at is very tactical. You want to find sort of 400 errors or, you know, the, the equivalent. Um, it's different than uh, a predictive analytics. So that to me is a discriminator uh, as you look at the analytics capabilities of Elasticsearch. Again, slanted towards this moment, real time uh, monitoring and sort of ad hoc what's going on right now. Which is not to say that we don't have customers who are using it for a longer term uh, view. So some of our use cases do focus on um, a longer term view of data for things like clickstream. Uh, we have mm -hmm. customers who are looking at the interactions with their applications and pulling out a, a larger view of the success of their application based on how their, their customers are interacting with their application. And you mentioned a component before sort of in passing, Kibana. Uh, for, for those listeners who haven't come across that, uh, how would you describe it? It's one of those things that's better if you see it <laughs> for yeah, obvious exactly. reasons. But, uh, it's a little bit hard to, to describe in words. <laughs> Um, but Kibana is uh, essentially a, a web uh, UI that you can put on top of an Elasticsearch cluster. You point it at an Elasticsearch cluster. The UI itself is JavaScript driven by um, you know, HTTP requests to the Elasticsearch uh, engine. And again, uh, you, you have a dashboard where you can see sort of the overall view of uh, what's going on. You can populate that dashboard with different widgets. Uh, these widgets can be, again, pie charts or graphs or et cetera. The, uh, the, the underlying sort of feature that supports all of these graphs is called aggregations. And we can understand aggregations um, as sort of an extension of search facets. Now, a search facet is a count of values for a particular field for a set of documents. Let's say I go to some e-commerce site, I don't know, like amazon.com, and I type shirt. So then I'll get, you know, some hundreds of thousands of shirts as a response. And on the left rail, I might see something that says color, and then blue, 57,000, red, 24,000, green, etc. Um, what the search engine is doing there is it's taking the query, looking at all the results, and then counting the values in the color field. That's the, the fundamental sort of starting point for what Kibana uses. Um, Kibana and Elasticsearch use something called aggregations. And aggregations is a generalization of facets where what we're thinking about is buckets and then metrics for those buckets. 
Uh, the kind of buckets you can create are either time slices. So I can say within this time slice, how many events happened? Just like I can say within the shirts, how many are red shirts? Um, but actually you can, in Elasticsearch, nest those aggregations. So I can say not only um, how many events happened within this particular time slice, but I can say, okay, bucket those events by the HTTP status code. And I can see within that time slice, I had, you know, 48, 400s, 27,200s, et cetera. Um, so that's the underlying feature that really brings the ability to do that graphing uh, into the UI. And the other interesting thing with, with Kibana, and just spelling-wise for those who aren't familiar with it, K-I-B-A-N-A, um, is just the quality of the visualizations that you can do. I mean, it's really interesting when I see people interact with that you know, dashboard in the, in the first instance or build things using Kibana. There's a wow factor. There's a kind of eye candy factor. And um, uh, fans out there of Edward Tuft, who talks a lot about data visualization, et cetera, will know that the way you show data is every bit as important as what data you have. And I think this gives a really powerful thing for customers to use to show the results of their, their searches and what they're finding and, and the analytics they're doing. Yeah, you know, there's an old trope in the uh, software development world I used to do software development um, that it's really important not to finish your UI before you finish your back end. Because if you show your UI to your boss and it's, it's really whizzy, uh, your boss will think you're done. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing more to do. Right. <laughs> and now, that's now true Kibana. Like Kibana is a, a very pretty way to look at data and um, it's very easy to use as well. So it, it brings a lot of power at your fingertips with a very little amount of effort. So we're talking here then obviously of some, some open source components. Clearly, I could just spin up my old friend EC2, install some packages, follow the bouncing ball, and I'm done. Uh, why do we have a service for customers around this? Why indeed? So um, as we look at it, so and as we thought about the product that we were developing, our first concern was to bring the native Elasticsearch experience through the Elasticsearch API so customers could uh, use our service basically as a drop-in replacement and not have to do any work uh, to migrate to the service. So that was our, one of our guiding uh, principles. Uh, but around that Elasticsearch experience, we wanted to bring a number of features that uh, would be sort of AWS kind of features, things that make it easier to manage and operate an Elasticsearch cluster uh, and scale it up. Um, and we have uh, features that are sort of in that cluster creation and configuration management. Um, we have security features, high availability features. We have monitoring that we provide. Um, so just as with many other AWS uh, services that wrap open source technology, uh, we provide an easier way to run it and manage it and make it go. Dare I use the phrase undifferentiated heavy lifting? Exactly. <laughs> we were looking to provide the undifferentiated heavy lifting. Um, so, so how quick can you get a, a cluster up and running? How quick can a, an a, a average you know, um, technical professional get a cluster going? Sure. Um, you know, it's a matter of minutes in the console. Um, when you create an Elasticsearch cluster, um, and this is through the console, we have SDK, we have command line, we have, um, you know, all of these ways of creating the, the cluster, um, you simply specify a number of data nodes and a number of master nodes. You specify instance types. 
Um, and you can specify a couple of other options like high availability um, and storage options as well. So we can, uh, you know, with that, it's just a few clicks to create that cluster. And then we go and deploy all of that hardware, deploy Elasticsearch to the hardware, uh, and expose it via DNS as a RESTful uh, endpoint where you can interact with the Elasticsearch API. Um, so basically, you're plugging in using really well-known semantics from your application or your website. Uh, you don't need to know about the operational side of things to well, interact with. So in contrast to our other search technology, Cloud Search, um, with Elasticsearch, Amazon Elasticsearch service, um, you do need to be a little bit more aware of the underlying hardware and its usage. Um, this is one main difference that we have. Amazon Elasticsearch service is not a, an auto-scaled solution. So it does require some knowledge and monitoring of what's going on in the cluster itself uh, to scale it correctly and make sure that you have enough resources available um, to, you know, to serve your use case. Now we do so actually. So let's talk. Let's talk about that because um yeah, and I don't know if an Easter egg is an Easter egg if you give it away, but you know, sizing is clearly one of those things that people need to pay attention to. You see a lot of clusters. What do you see? You know, as good practice, what do you see is you know anti patterns around sizing clusters. Yeah. So uh, the first thing is that the sizing on Amazon Elasticsearch service is identical with the sizing for a self-managed Elasticsearch. Um, so Elastic itself, within its documentation, provides a ton of guidance on how to think about scale for your clusters. Um, but there are a couple of, uh, a couple of little trip tips and tricks that we can try and give uh, in terms of figuring out how large to scale your cluster. Um, the first thing to say is, Unfortunately, there is no formula that you can write down that says, I have this much data and traffic, what are exactly the nodes that I need? Um, it's always an iterative process where uh, you make a good estimate about the resources you need, and then you have to deploy it, test it, and, and react and, and try to uh, bring it into line exactly with where it needs to be. So having said there are no formulas, here's a formula. Um, and here's a way that I sort of walk uh, customers that I speak with through thinking about it. Uh, the first place to start is with storage. Um, if you have, say, a terabyte of data, that data will be compressed down or will change size uh, into as it's put into an index. Um, fortunately, with Elasticsearch, the ratio tends to be about 1.1. So if I have a terabyte, I might think I'd have 1.1 terabytes of index for that data. Um, this, this can, the number itself actually can change quite a bit if you pick various different options in terms of how you're analyzing and storing the data. But as a general rule of thumb, 1.1 to 1 is a good starting point. Um, now, in Elasticsearch, we have a notion of shards. Um, you put your data into an index, an index is composed of shards. Um, and the shards can either be primary shards or replica shards. The best practice we have that we that we that we tell our customers is you should have one primary. Well, you'll always have one primary, and then you should have one replica shard, uh, which gives you redundancy within the cluster. Uh, that replica shard, you know, Elasticsearch makes sure that doesn't live on the same node as a primary shard. Um, so, but the replica shard takes up space as well. So, 
you have to multiply by the number of replicas to get the total storage. So in my one terabyte example, I would have 1.1 terabyte of index with one replica that makes it 2.2 terabytes of storage that I'll need. Uh, in the service, you can choose EBS or you can choose instance storage. Um, if I'm choosing EBS, I have a limit of 512 gig. So I know I need four nodes with 512 gig of EBS storage and probably five. Um, so that's how I kind of take a first pass at figuring out the storage that I need. And then um, the instance type is really going to be based on the use case. We support four different instance types. So we support T2, uh, we support M3, R3, and I2. Um, the T2s really are not, uh, they're not for production. Those are dev and test kind of machines. Uh, with the M3s, they're kind of balanced. Uh, it's a good overall uh, for most use cases. The R3s with the extra RAM are good for queries for high query loads or for heavy aggregations. And if you're using a lot of Kibana, you may get pushed to the R3s from the M3s. Um, the I2s are high storage nodes and they have 1.6 terabytes at the 2x large level uh, of instance storage. So that gives you your largest storage size per node. And that's SSD storage as well. So it's, it's um, SSD, that's right. Super low latency, yeah. Yep. So that's kind of, that's how I take my first pass at it um, to figure out sort of what are the instance types and how many of them do I think I might need. Fantastic. And the good thing is that obviously you can always adjust uh, if you get it wrong. That's the nice thing that you're not making a sort of a fixed in stone upfront decision about what infrastructure Correct. you're going to use. So as you can, we have you can tweak a, an experiment. As we have an API call to create a cluster, you can also, uh, we have an API call that allows you to resize a cluster. And you can change in that or reconfigure a cluster. You can change in that re reconfiguration uh, everything from instance type to storage type to node counts. Um, you know, all of the options are available. We make that change seamlessly. So if you're running on a particular configuration and you decide that you need R3s instead of M3s, uh, just a few clicks in the console and, and you can have that happen uh, simply and seamlessly. Fantastic. And I think uh, also it's worth mentioning that the um, the Amazon Elasticsearch service is uh, part of the free usage tier. So you can get up to 750 hours per month of a single AZ T2 micro Elasticsearch instance and 10 gig per month of optional EBS storage, which can be magnetic or general purpose. So it's, it's big enough to have a, a little experiment and a play, I would exactly. say. And uh, any any new things that have happened recently in the service that uh, listeners might be interested in? Uh, yes. Some improvements, changes, uh, so goodies? We had uh, one very common request. Our node count limit was at 10 uh, when we launched. And we had uh, many customers who really wanted uh, to deploy more nodes than that. So we lifted that limit to a total of 20 data nodes as well as an additional five master nodes. Uh, with 20 data nodes, you can have either... 10 terabytes if you're using EBS as your storage, or 32 terabytes if you're using instant storage on the i2-2x larges. Um, so that was that's, we came out with that uh, mid-May, I believe. Fantastic. So bigger, bigger, bigger. That seems to be the uh, bigger, theme bigger, of many bigger, things right. in the world. <laughs> um, after that, we recently, uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, released support for Elasticsearch 2.3. At launch, we supported only Elasticsearch version 1.5, uh, 
And uh, that was a long-standing ask from our customers for us to uh, support additional versions of Elasticsearch. So as of now, we support both 1.5 and 2.3. And the support is uh, based on the time of creation, uh, you choose a version for your cluster. And um, if you want to migrate from an older cluster to a newer cluster, uh, you would then snapshot with the Elasticsearch snapshot API, the old cluster, and migrate it to the new one. There's some compatibility checks that you have to do, but uh, fundamentally that's the migration path for major versions. For minor versions and bug fixes, we'll be rolling those out uh, seamlessly, provided that they maintain API compatibility. So if we have bug fixes, security patches for 2.3, we'll just roll those out um, as, as they are. Fantastic. More of that undifferentiated heavy lifting that we like to get yeah. rid of so much. Awesome. Well, John, thanks so much for taking the time to speak uh, to our listeners today. It's been great. It's been fun. And thanks, everybody, and, and look forward to seeing you on the service. Fantastic. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. As ever, we love your feedback, Podcast at amazon.com. Tell others that the podcast is around. Uh, I know a lot of people get a lot out of it once they discover it is there. And until next time, keep on building.